Libby. And I'm Farron. And this is the tip of the iceberg. a surprise today. Today is going to be a great podcast. Yeah. Karen knows why, but our listeners do not. No, nobody knows, but you're about to. No, this is actually really exciting. So we, as you know, as we mentioned last week, it's Stalking Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking a lot about stalking and we had someone, a fan of the podcast, write in and share their personal story, Mm -hmm. which is very, I think it's kind of cool because we do all of these stories about people from like far away and this happened in Chicago and this happened in California and this happened wherever. But this person is from Wyoming mm-hmm. and this happened to her in Wyoming. Right. Right. Yeah. And she is somebody that we both know Yeah. from different periods in our lives, which goes to show how small our state is and how right. small our community is and how small these rural populations are really. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's interesting because, um, she sent this to us and then I knew very little about this. Mm -hmm. I knew that she had said she had an encounter with stalking Uh and I didn't know the full story and I haven't even read it yet. So I don't know right now. Um, but I think it's interesting that we both know this person because as we, as it came in and we were talking about it, we realized that, we both we do both know this person, yeah, from way different places, but interesting. And we both really like her a, a lot, yeah. So, um, I also knew a little bit about her story, kind of like probably Libby. more than I do. Um, but I have not heard all the details about it. So, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't read this yet. What yeah, she neither, sent us. neither of us have. So, um, I'm. I'm kind of experiencing, we're experiencing this with our listeners, yeah. too. And I'm honestly worried because I love this person a lot. Yeah. And I I think it's different when it's someone you know. It is. And it shouldn't be, but... It is. it is. That's why advocates don't provide services to people that they're friends sure. with and that they love. Because it's different. And it's harder to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So she requested that she stay anonymous, which makes totally perfect valid. sense to me. That's why we were so worried about... And that her stalkers stay anonymous. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. That's why we were so worried about what's her face from last week. Yeah. Uh, Katie? Katie. Katie. Yeah. Last week. So we don't, we don't have a name for this person. Should we give her a name or just... No. No. No name. Because I can't think of one. <laughs> there are no names right there now. There are no names. Well, this... this um, story is written in first person, so I guess we don't really need it. Right. Okay, so I'm going to read this, and feel free to interrupt if you have questions or something doesn't make sense. Okay, great. Okay. I never thought that I would be the victim of stalking or domestic violence. I say this because I always said I would not put myself in that situation. That's so common. Mm -hmm. My outlook on that quickly changed when I was faced with a situation in which I consider a nightmare. Several years ago, I was going through a really tough time in my life, a time in which I was depressed, lonely, and vulnerable. I met a guy who I will refer to as Charlie. Okay, so we got Charlie. Okay, so she does give a fake name for That's him. not the real name, yeah. yeah. Probably not. Charlie. We met through mutual friends. We began talking, and as, 
and I soon considered him a genuine friend. He was never someone I ever pictured myself interested in, so it never crossed my mind that we would ever be more than friends. A few months went on, and I started to notice he would make comments to me that seemed like he maybe had some interest in me. Things like, hey gorgeous, how are you today? Um, To be honest, it made me feel good that someone noticed me, and someone was giving me attention like that. A few more months went by, and at this point, an intimate relationship had started. As I mentioned earlier, I was going through a hard time, and once Charlie gave me some attention, I latched onto that and figured, since he had been a good friend to friend the past few months, that then this intimate relationship would be safe. Sorry, I stumbled through that. In the very beginning of all this, I made it very clear to him that I was not looking for a serious relationship, and he acted like that was just fine and dandy because he was not interested in a serious relationship either. Although I enjoyed the attention and it was fun when I would hang out with him, I soon realized Charlie and I were not on the same page. He started talking about marriage. Marriage after a few months. I became really uncomfortable, to say the least. I tried to remove myself from the situation, and that, and that is when things show, took a turn and got really scary. If I didn't answer Charlie's phone calls, he would show up at my house. At some point, oh, at this point, he would just act like he was coming over to check on me. I became nervous with this, so I felt like I didn't... Um, I felt like if I didn't answer him, then I could expect... Is that right? Yeah, she felt like it says... I, when he invited me over, I felt like if I didn't... Oh. If I didn't answer him, then I could expect him to come looking for me. I got it. Sorry, I so skipped the line. So she was nervous. Yeah, that's okay. I okay. did too. When he invited me over, I felt like I didn't... Like, if I didn't go over there, there would be consequences. I hung out with him a few more weeks despite being really uncomfortable. But at this point, I didn't know how to get out of the situation. So that's really common. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we heard that last week with Katie's story, where she and Joe met at this bar, mm-hmm. and they hung out, and, like, they were, like, friendly, whatever. It was casual, and then suddenly... He starts getting really obsessive Hot and heavy. And like, I want to marry you. I want to spend the rest of my life. And he didn't want to marry her. He doesn't believe in marriage. That's right. Joe doesn't. Charlie, but he wanted, does. Charlie believes in marriage. Obviously. He is a traditionalist. That's right. Is that word? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, those homegrown values. Yep. So this is really common. That, yeah. Like, now she's uncomfortable, but she's continuing to spend time with him. Because what are you going to do? Because she's super freaked out. And when she doesn't, he shows up at her house. Just like out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's starting to feel trapped, I feel. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. So, Charlie started asking me to see my phone to see who I had been talking to, and he would ask to read my text messages. This is when I knew things were going to get worse. Again, I tried to cut ties with him. I wonder what that looked like. I don't know. I wonder if that was just like, don't, I don't want to do this, or... I'm not really interested, or I'm busy. Or maybe she just tried to ghost him. Maybe she tried to ghost him. It's hard to ghost somebody in a small town, though. That's fair. (laughs) It's really hard. Interesting. Okay. So, again, I tried to cut ties with him. At first, he left me alone. And when I say he left me alone, it was probably for a total of... Oh, these are fun back. Here we go. Of three days. Then he started sending me text messages asking where I was. When I didn't respond, he called me. I answered the phone, and it was clear he was drunk. He was demanding that I come and pick him Yeah, I think. Pick him up so we could talk. I told him I was not going to do that, and he became irate. 
He told me he was going to come to my house to see who I had over. I got scared and left to go stay with a friend. I didn't tell my friend the extent of what was going on, but that night he called my phone probably 30 times and sent me a lot of text messages demanding me to tell to tell him where I was. Wow. 30 times. Yeah. So she she just wasn't at home and he sent he, he and he went to her house clearly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And realized she was gone so, and so he's mad. So he calls 30 times and who and knows how many text messages, messages demanding to tell him where she is. Okay. Finally, sometime during the night, the calls and texts stopped. Finally. I didn't hear anything from him until later that in the day, the next day. He sent me a text saying he was sorry and assured me it would, assured me it was just him being drunk and asked if we could talk. I said no, but I was willing to listen to see what he had to say over a phone call. He called me and, and again told me he was sorry. He asked if he could come pick me up. I was scared of what would happen if I said no again, but I was also scared to go with him. I didn't want to deal with another sleepless night, so I agreed to let him pick me up. His behavior was fine, and he acted like he was genuinely sorry for his behavior. I had a gut feeling this was just his way to lure me back in, but again, I didn't know how to get out of the situation. I think it's important... To So at this point, this has been going on for a while. Seems like it. And I think it's important to note that she hasn't told anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't mention that she's talked to her mom or her sister or her dad or whatever, brother, whatever, about this. And she went and stayed with her friend, but she didn't tell her friend the extent of what was going on. So she's been going through this pretty much by herself. Right. Which is really... Probably really hard. I can't even imagine. Not Especially, it sounds like she's system. genuinely afraid of him. Yeah, for sure. And she doesn't have anyone to... She hasn't She hasn't shared this with anyone. So she doesn't... Nobody knows. Well, and I don't blame her, too. I don't either. If she were to tell, like, a friend or someone what was happening, it's very possible that in this moment they would be like, oh, well, sounds like he's really into you. That's, mm-hmm. You should be flattered. Mm-hmm. When in reality, she knows that something is going on here, and she said she feels it in her gut. Mm-hmm. Seems like over and over again, she's like, something isn't right. Yeah. But. And I think she feels like she's, I think she has put a lot of blame on herself and feels really dumb mm-hmm. for quote unquote, getting herself into this situation with this guy. Right. Um, which is also really like a valid way to feel. It's not, it's of course it's never your fault, but right. it's valid to feel that way. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Then, yeah. All right. Let's keep going. Okay. So this vicious cycle went on for months. Okay, so we've got continued. So yeah, yeah. It's, okay. But as time went on, the situation got more severe, severe and a lot scarier. So many things happened that I can't remember everything, but I will share with you what I do remember during that period of time. Many nights, I would have multiple phone calls and text messages from Charlie demanding I answer the phone, demanding I tell him where I was, threatening me and calling me names. I would never tell anyone what was going on, and I would was basically living my life in fear. Yeah, sounds like it. Oh, jeez. I, I can't even tell you how many times I would think about what if he killed me and no one ever knew what was going on. Yeah, so she feels really isolated in this. Yeah. At this point. That is a scary thought to just have in your head. Like, what, oh, if, yeah. you were to, what, if, what if you were to kill me and no one would know? Mm-hmm. People would just think it was some accident. That's really scary. 
I considered calling the police for help, but I was scared and embarrassed. One afternoon, I was driving down the street and I saw Charlie pull up behind me from a side street. He was driving so fast and so close to the back of the car that he nearly ran me off the road. My first instinct was to pick up the phone and call 911. This was the first time I ever involved the police, but I was terrified at this point. I started driving toward the police station as I was on the phone with dispatch. Eventually, he turned off and stopped following me, but I knew I had to reach out for help. The officer met me at the police station, and I told him what had happened. I did not tell him everything that had been going on the past few months because I was scared. The officer talked to me about potentially getting a protection order, and he called Charlie to escort him off the to escort him from my property. I gotcha. So he escorted Charlie off the property. I felt a sense of relief, but he started contacting me soon again after the incident. Keep in mind, during this time period, I was keeping this all a secret and living what seemed to be a normal life to everyone else, so I had offers to go on dates, but I would have to make excuses to other guys as to why I couldn't go on dates with them. Oh, I gotcha. So people were asking her out, and she was... She was like, no, dodging him. because she knew that he would find out and then be psycho about it. Sounds like it, yeah. There was a time I decided just to risk it, and I said yes to someone who invited me out. I felt like I was watching my back the whole time and constantly looking at, the, at my phone, just waiting for Charlie to call and blow up on me. As the date was almost over, I looked over and saw Charlie outside. Oh. I immediately knew he had been out looking for me, and sure enough, he had found me. He stormed in and made a huge scene. Thankfully, we were in public, so the police were called, but nothing really came of it. A couple weeks went by without hearing anything from Charlie, so I thought maybe the cycle was over, but of course I was wrong about that. While I was at work one day, a bouquet of flowers were delivered to me, and with the flowers was an apology note. Later that evening, I got a text from Charlie asking me if I had gotten the flowers he sent. I told him I had, and he asked me why I hadn't thanked him for them. Um, he then he then said he had something for me and asked if he could pick me up. If I said no, he was just going to show up and things were going to escalate, so I said sure. I sent a text to a friend and told her if she hadn't heard from me by a certain time to come looking for me. That's how you know things are real. Yeah. If you send that text out, mm-hmm. and you're like, if I'm not in this place by this time, code red. Right. Jeez. He picked me up and pulled a ring out of his pocket. What? A ring! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. She was as surprised as I am. A ring? A ring. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the I hell? I don't know how like, <laughs> I've called the cops on you. You've stormed my date at the restaurant or whatever, wherever she was. The co- they called the cops on you. I've told you to leave me alone. And now you're getting, you're, you're proposing or promising or whatever. What is I'm this? I'm dodging everything. What? And every time we do interact, there is like police interaction. <laughs> so what an idiot. that is a match made in heaven. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Okay. I was freaking out to see he had a ring and didn't know what I, what I was going to do at that point. He told me he got me a special ring because he knew someday I was going to be the one. I told him I couldn't accept the ring and he lost it. He threw the ring at me and was yelling at me. I don't remember the details of that evening, but I do remember that I ended up running from his house. Oh my gosh. I ran and hid and called my friend to come over and get me. She encouraged me to call the police, but I was too scared. 
one one weekend I had a friend come into town and stay with me. We went out to the bar to have drinks, then went home. I was woken up to sound to the sound of a car horn blaring outside, and my friend extremely freaked out. I looked out the window and of course it was Charlie. I checked my phone and I had dozens of missed calls and text messages from him. Dozens, holy cow. Good lord. He had been following me and knew I had been out with a friend and he was demanding to look in my house to see who was in there. The police ended up coming because the neighbors called them. Again, nothing really came out of that because I didn't tell anything. Okay, so there's that self-blame again. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't tell anything. In reality, like if the police have been involved in this situation how many times at this point? This is three, three that I counted. Three. Yeah. Right. And these are of the things that were super notable and like she felt like sharing. That were important. Who knows what else is going on. So this is three interactions with law enforcement. So at the end of the day, like, she's saying nothing came of it because she didn't say anything. But don't you think that she wouldn't have to say anything at this point for someone to be like, hmm, something's going on. I mean, I would think that someone would question, like, what the hell are you doing outside blaring your horn to where the neighbors are? Like, what are you doing here? Or at least maybe ask a question. Maybe they did, and they just, I don't know, we weren't there. I don't know, it's a little odd. Hmm. Yeah, she told me that she was, uh, the person from the story told me that she was super disappointed with how police handled the situation. Okay. But it was a second ago, so. Yeah, maybe things are better. Maybe things are better. We can hope, right? Yeah. Okay, let's jump back in. A couple weeks went by before Charlie contacted me again. This time, he had another story to get me to come to his house. I honestly can't remember what his story was, but I do know I told him no several times. He said okay and hung up. He called back a couple hours later and asked me again. He promised me that he was not going to do anything to me and that he would not even raise his voice. At this point, he was talking to me calmly, and I thought maybe this could be the final time he would want to talk to me because he mentioned he just needed closure. As dangerous as I knew the situation was, again, self-blame right there, I was scared that he was going to come looking for me if I didn't go. I went to his house and he began talking to me calmly. When I told him I was leaving to go home, he locked the door and blocked me in with his body. Oh my gosh. I was terrified and I begged him to let me go home. He grabbed my phone and began looking through all my messages. When he didn't like what he saw, he became irate and extremely physically abusive. I won't go into details about what happened, but the more I screamed for help and begged for him to let me go, the more he hurt me. At one point, I tried to run out the door, but I was not able to get past him. I can clearly remember saying to him, please don't kill me. This was while I was laying on his living room floor injured. So it's escalated a lot. Yeah, I and I just have a picture of this person in my head and... I did not know that it was this intense. And scary. Yeah, this is kind of upsetting. Yeah. Um, I lost my place. Okay. Laying on the living room floor injured. Eventually he stopped, but he was scared to let me go. He didn't want to get in trouble for what he had done to me. Several hours went by when I was finally able to leave. I was injured pretty bad, so I knew I needed to go to the hospital. I was scared that if I told the truth about what happened to me that he would hurt me worse or even kill me. I made up a story as to how I got injured, and somehow no questions were asked. 
I was treated and released. I knew I had to get out of this horrible situation, but still had not figured out how to do that. The next day, Charlie sent me flowers and a card saying sorry for what he had done. I did not respond. Weeks went by, and I had not heard from Charlie, but I was sticking to my guns about not responding to him if he did contact me. So at this point, it sounds like he's still contacting her. She's just not responding. Um, Lo and behold, guess who eventually contacted me? Should we guess? Barack Obama? Mm, Maybe. Maybe it was Donald Trump. Chris Pratt? Trying to keep it political, you know? Yeah. Oprah? Oprah. Oh, no. Could have been Oprah. It was Charlie. It was Charlie. The more I didn't answer, the more his stalking went on. There was a time where I was at a stoplight in my car and was startled when Charlie got in my car. Whoa. In the car. In the car. Okay. All right. Sure. That's what you would do. I wonder how... Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So he had parked behind my car at the stoplight, opened my passenger door, looked in the back seat of my car, called me names, then got out of my car... And back into his vehicle and left. So she's sitting at a stoplight. Probably, I'm guessing it's the middle of the day. I'm just picturing it being daytime. It doesn't say it is, but she's sitting at a stoplight. There are people behind her, including Freaky Charlie. Stopped. He gets out of his car, gets into her car. There's people in traffic sitting there like, I need to get my lunch. I can't. I, just I have can't. shit to do. What in the hell is going on? I just like, I'm And where does Charlie work that I, he's just out breaking into cars and carjacking people? I, I don't even know. He sounds like he's got her on surveillance all the time. Wow. See, this is, this is where I'm trying to put this into, this is, I'm trying to make this make sense. Okay. So maybe in Charlie's mind, they're perfect together mm-hmm. and they had a wasted romance and and they're, they really and are... And it's okay that she threw that ring at him because... It happens sometimes. That just sometimes happens. She couldn't accept His the intensity right. of their relationship. It's intense. She was scared. Sure. She was scared. She was we sure will, scared. They will agree on that. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So, in Charlie's mind, he's done nothing wrong, maybe. Who knows? Regardless. Okay? Let's right. let this situation play out. You see someone in the car ahead of you... That you're like, oh, a lover of a of another lifetime. Right. Maybe we'll end up together. Maybe we won't. This wistfulness is in play, right? Uh-huh. So this is what happens in this moment. This mm-hmm. is what everyone would do, okay? You stop the car. Yep. And you get out. Now, you don't go directly to... The driver's the side. The driver's side, which is like a straight shot. Yeah. No, you weave around the car. Yep. All the while, horns probably honking. Probably. People gotta get get to their places. Yeah. And you go and you get in the passenger door. Yeah. At this point, I'd be like, wow, long time no see. Your hair looks really good. I've missed you. Yeah. How's your mom? No. That's not what is happening. <laughs> He's in the passenger seat. He looks around, full surveillance of the car, checks it out, throws some curse words, throws some bad words, insults her, just hops right out and goes back to his life. What the heck? I don't, I don't, I just, like, even if you're trying to rationalize, it just doesn't work. No. Even if you're trying to follow this him. This is crazy. I don't even know. And he did this in front... I mean, I'm guessing there were people around that saw this. Is that a stoplight? Yeah. Um, I mean, probably. I guarantee there were people around. Unless it was oh, 3 a.m. Yeah, which I don't think it... 
Probably was. Doesn't seem like it was. Okay. No. Okay. I would receive text messages from him saying he was watching me. Um, ew. Oh, and he would say things in his messages that made it clear he wasn't, he indeed was somewhere watching me because his information was accurate. So he would like give her a description of who she was with or ask her why she was at this place with this person or whatever. Or like, oh, what a dope red hat you're wearing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. He would try to come to my house in the middle of the night and throw rocks at my window to try and get my attention. Okay. Come on. This is annoying. I'm annoyed now. I... Like, this is not... That is not romantic. If if someone's doing that to you, that's weird. And I mean, ultimately, if we are, like, following... Throwing rocks at the window to get your... You, I think the 3,000 text messages and phone calls are probably getting her attention, Charlie. I don't know why you need to be throwing rocks at the window. I on just, top of all of I that. just think, too, that if we're following... Charlie's line of thought, you know, he thought he it was... He thinks that's cute, I feel. Well, and he thought it was rational to get out at a stoplight... Right. ...and Charlie's jump in her car. a lunatic. So, I mean, who knows what size of rocks these were. I'm just saying, oh like, God. leave it to Charlie to throw a freaking boulder through her window. What in the world? I don't even know. Good grief. Oh, okay. okay. Seems like we're getting into the final incident. Yeah. It says here, the final incident. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, finally. This is a terrible life yeah, to have lived. Needs to, I, God, I know. And we've lived it for 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm over it. And I'm over it, too. I'm, I'm sick exhausted. of this guy. I'm exhausted. I hate of him. It. Yeah, he's a freak. Gosh. All right. Okay. So, at this point, how, how much time has passed in, Probably in real world? Months. Months. Like, like more than months though because months she said months. before this scary period as she labeled it it was months yeah so probably almost a year i would maybe uh, that wouldn't surprise me i mean yeah okay so the final incident took place one night when i was home alone and my doorbell rang oh sure enough it was charlie at my door i couldn't lock the door before he was pushing his way through my door it was apparent he was drunk and i was not about to stay in my house with him in there I grabbed my phone and my keys and ran out of the house as fast as I could. I even left without shoes. I got in my car, locked the doors, and started driving toward the police station. I called 911 and had an officer meet me at the station. I told the officer I was going to stay at my friend's house, but needed to get some clothes from my house. He told me that Charlie had been removed from the property, so I was okay to go home and grab my clothes. I just don't, I don't love that. So now we're on our fourth, fourth or fifth interaction with law enforcement at this point. Uh, yeah, it right? seems... For the same situation, the same stalker, the same crap, and she goes to the police station. This guy has come in her house. So unless he's in jail, I don't know why it's safe to tell her she can just go ahead and go back to the property to I get don't, her stuff. I don't... And, just, and not go with her. Send her... I mean, it does... I'm not getting the impression that somebody was going to go with her. No. So this guy just tells her, well, he's been removed from the property, so you're okay to go home and get your stuff. How I do they know he's removed from the property? I dare say this would not happen today. Do you think that's true? Or do you think like it how would? I'm just like, how do you know that he's not going to come back? Well, do you think that this would happen the same way today? Or do you think that... I would hope officers not. Officers have wised up. I will I mean, tell you. I, I would hope not. I think if this were to happen today, they would be getting a call from Farron. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to be that person, but I'm like, that is not... But we don't want dead that people... That is not safe. 
The guy's drunk and his, is to- is violent. Yeah, extremely, it sounds like. And has come in to her house, and now we're just going to say, oh, well, we removed him. You can go back and get your stuff. Well, is he in jail? Because if he's not in jail... At this point, we're I'm, not going back there. I'm worried for her safety. For sure. That does not seem safe at all. I'm a little disappointed in whoever that officer was. Just going to be honest. That stinks. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, maybe it doesn't end badly. When I got to my house, I noticed Charlie's vehicle parked down the street. Oh. And I saw him sitting in the vehicle. Okay, so how's it's going to end badly. Yeah, how's that? Okay, right. cool. I ran into my house as fast as I could, locked the door, and I called dispatch back to tell them that he was still in my property. As I was on the phone, he began banging on my door. He dented my door in from hitting it so hard. Oh, my gosh. How scared was I'm, she? She had to have been terrified. And, and she's alone. Well, and I'm trying to imagine doors, too. Like, I mean, in On order to, buildings, to dent a door, that has to be, like, metal, heavy. right? Yeah. That's a pretty heavy door. Can you imagine denting that? No. No. Maybe that's just Not us. with my I bare hands. But even she was worried. She says, I was sure he was going to break the door down and get in. Oh my gosh. The dispatcher told me to lock myself in a room and barricade the door to that room until the officers got there. Even mm. they thought he was going to break in. Yeah, she that dispatcher was probably really freaked out cuz she probably heard he or her, he or she probably Him heard screaming. Yeah. It seemed like forever until the officers got there, I bet. But they did get there before Charlie was able to get into the house. He went to jail that night. Okay, well, good. Finally. Another incident I remember was a time I went camping with friends. I let my family know where I was going to be camping since I would not have cell phone service. Charlie managed to track down my mother's phone number and he contacted her and he pretended that he was a worried friend because he hadn't been able to reach me. And she doesn't know. No. Mom doesn't know because she hasn't told anybody about this except maybe a couple of friends. But they don't even know the full details. No. She told him I was out camping and didn't have service. Had she known what this man had been doing to me, no way in hell would he she have shown would she have given him that information. Yeah, I bet. I was cho- totally shocked to see Charlie show up at her campsite and he ruined that trip. Oh my gosh. Okay. Good lord. So he like they are all singing kumbaya around a campfire. Roasting marshmallows. Right. It's adorable. Yeah. It's like a, it's an Instagram post, of course. Great. And all of a sudden, Charlie just shows up. So that is intense. In front of all, like her, in front of people. I'm guessing she's not camping alone. She said she's camping with friends. So he's showing up and people are there. He doesn't care. And he ruins that trip. And he ruined it. So my question is, what is the next 12 hours or whatever look like? Do you think he just leaves or does he just join their camping party? I think he just joins their camping party. (laughs) I don't know. Can you imagine that? No. And everyone's like, well, welcome. Would you like a marshmallow? Yeah. I, what's this angry vibe you have? Right. Oh my god. I, I can't. I don't know. A couple days later, I knew I needed to reach out for help. I decided to call the police, and they had, um, and they had me meet them at the police station. At this point, I told the officer everything I had been going through, except for the night he physically hurt me. He asked to see all the text messages, voicemails, and calls that I had been saving for the past several months. He took pictures of everything and again talked to me about a protection order. He told me um, this was considered felony stalking. Okay, so that's the first time anyone has validated this. Yeah. That's been happening. He encouraged me to reach out to the local domestic violence program. 
I finally decided to go, um, to go through with getting help. And I did go to the domestic violence program. The program had an advocate help me fill out a stalking protection order. And she went with me to the courthouse to file it. I felt a sense of relief that this was all maybe going to end. Within hours of me filing the protection order, I got a phone call with a court date that was set for the following week. I also got a phone call from an attorney. This was Charlie's attorney, and he was asking if I would drop the stalking charges against Charlie. Whoa. That must have been So a he was being charged with stalking, and also she had filed this protection I order. I think so. Okay. I think that's what it was. Okay. Because you don't have to have a protection order against someone for them to be charged with stalking. Stalking is a crime. Right. FYI. Well, and he said that it was felony stalking. Yeah. So I assume so that's must... the charge. Okay, great. Yeah. So, and then, so it's Charlie's attorney for the felony stalking charge that reaches out to her. Right? Yep. Okay. He tried to explain to me that I could still go ahead and get the protection order, but it would be in the best interest of his client if I dropped the charges. All right. Okay. Now I'm irritated. I've gone from annoyed to pissed off. It's in the best interest of his client for her to drop the charges. It, I think it's in the best interest of his client to not stalk and brutalize women. So I'm just like... Right? I'm just thinking, oh, sure, there might be a stigma against stalking. Sure. Okay. Like, uh-huh. maybe people don't believe that this is a real thing. Obviously, from this letter, we see that it's very real. But just, you know, we'll just go along with this. So say a person had kidnapped a child. Okay? And... Then the attorney for, for this person, the kidnapper, reaches out to the kid and the family and is like, hey, it's in the best interest of my client if you just let this all go. Mm-hmm. How does that make any sense? It doesn't. How does it make any sense? Like, of course it's in the best interest of Of course the, it is, because like, he's uh, not going to go to jail if right. I let it go. And also it's not in the best interest of his client because his client needs rehabilitation. But yeah. Whatever. And to be locked away. What a f- what an idiot! Who was this attorney anyway? I don't know. Fire. I wish the attorney's name was in this story I, so we could say that. I agree. What a I think jackass. that's what needs to be known. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna find out. She, uh, you're not gonna be surprised by this, but she's so much sweeter than we're being right now. <laughs> she says, "I hung up the phone and was trying to process the conversation." So she's sitting there going, "What did I just? What was I?" She's just, like, "What was that? Huh? What did I just hear?" She says, why would an attorney contact me about dropping the charges? Oh. Why would he? Why would... We have the same question. Yes. We don't understand either. No. Okay. The next day I got a text message from, from the attorney and I truly can't remember the details of the text. I'm sorry, he texted you? I think that's in poor taste. Well, also... <laughs> what? Like, he's not even your attorney. Whoa. Like, I would feel uncomfortable if my attorney texted me. But someone else's attorney? That's weird. Um, so she says, I truly can't remember the details of the text, but I do remember having a follow-up conversation with him on the phone, and he was again asking me to drop the charges. What a lunatic. At this point, I had had enough, and I unloaded on him. Yeah, girl, get it. Yeah. I told him everything I had went through, including the physical violence. He didn't seem shocked by everything I had just told him, but he did seem sympathetic. So he's like, yeah, this doesn't, this doesn't surprise me. But I am so sorry that you have gone through this. But also it doesn't matter but to I'm, the charges. But it's in the best interest of Charlie to not go to jail. Right. I know he put you through all of this. And, and you, that's really shitty. You went to the hospital. I feel real bad. You're still scared. But... 
think of him. But what is he going through? That shit, I'm mad. I don't blame you. Come on. I I don't even know how to respond to that. All right. Well, let's keep reading. Maybe he, maybe things get better. It does not seem that way. All right. Well, I'm just trying to be She optimistic. says, however, at the end of the conversation, he still asked me to drop the charges and said Charlie promised he would never contact me or have anything to do with me ever again. Well, um, what? I don't think Charlie tells the truth. No. Who trusts Charlie? Nobody trusts Charlie like, out in of, this situation. Out of everyone. No. Let's take a poll. Who trusts Charlie? No one. No one's raising their hand. No one. The in attorney this room. doesn't even trust her. No. His attorney thinks he's a scumbag. Yeah. All right. He. The attorney wasn't even surprised when when. No. When this person was like, he, just, he brutally, he locked me in a room and brutally beat me, and he like, just oh, felt yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all been there, right? No. What? So, so sorry. What? All right. So she tells him what? I told him I was likely not going to drop right. the charges. Okay. Yeah. He then advised me to find an attorney and let me know that he would be asking for a continuance. Now, what does that mean for people who don't know that? So a continuance, he's going to be asking the judge for more time. Um, so the protection order has been scheduled and he's going to ask the judge to give them more time to prepare for a hearing. And in that, in that time period between now and the continuance right between now and the hearing she's going to have a temporary order of protection in place right and so that doesn't mean like if that continuance is granted it doesn't mean that the judge is like oh yeah it sounds like you're innocent or it sounds like you're guilty it just means okay no and in this situation it would be good for her to have a continuance because she's going to need to get an attorney okay because he has an attorney she should probably get one okay yeah so she says i couldn't believe this mess i was i was in just got that much worse after everything i had been put through i now had to find and pay for my own attorney Long story short, I did find an attorney who was willing to represent me pro bono. Charlie's lawyer asked for one more continuance. Yeah, because there's nothing that he can say that's like, this person is innocent. Right. I would be asking for continuances too. Yeah. The protection order was temporarily in place until we went to court, so I felt safe. But the longer I had to wait for the court date, I became much more stressed and scared. I also learned that I was going, I would have to tell my whole story in front of Charlie. That sounds like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And that is the reality of so many of our clients. Yep. Yeah, because at a protection order hearing, if the victim or the petitioner, in this case, doesn't show up to the hearing, then it'll just be dropped. Right. Um, If the respondent, Charlie, doesn't show up to the hearing, it'll just be granted automatically. But if he does show up, then she's probably going to have to tell the judge in front of him why she feels that she needs a protection order. So that's super scary to be in the same room with someone who's terrorized you. And then have to say all this stuff in front of that person. I can't even imagine. Yeah, no. She says, he was literally going to be sitting a few feet away from me in the courtroom while I told the judge everything. I could not even imagine the rage that Charlie would feel hearing me say all the terrible things he had done and all the hell he had put me through the past year and a half. Okay, that's our timeline. Year and a half. Gosh. Can you imagine living this for a year and a half? I honestly don't think I would make it through. Oh my gosh. I'd probably lose my mind. Oh my goodness. I spoke with my advocate about being really nervous. She told me she would be at court with me and she would be sitting right behind me to support me. It wasn't necessarily that I thought he would do something in the courtroom, but it was the after part that I was really worried about. I had no idea if he would get jail time for the stalking charges and I really didn't trust that he wouldn't come after me. I knew exactly what he was capable of, capable of, and it was terrifying. 
After I did some more thinking, I contacted my attorney and told him I was thinking about dropping everything. He talked to me extensively about not doing that. Well, I let the fears get I let my fears get the best of me and I dropped everything. I was too scared to face him and speak in front of him. At that moment, I felt like he had taken so many things away from me, including my voice. I didn't stand up for myself and I didn't do what was right for myself all because of the fear he had put in my life. Hmm. I, just, I get that. I do too. And it makes so much sense to me and it breaks my heart that that's the takeaway of all of this. Like he took all of her power away and at the end of the day, that's still how she felt. She still feels like she's in the wrong for not continuing the charges. Right. That's terrible. That is terrible. She is not. Mm-mm. She knows him best, honestly. Okay. I am happy to say he left me alone and I have not seen or heard from him in several years. It took a couple of years to repair the damage he did to me. I went through counseling because, as you can imagine, I had a lot of trauma to work through. I eventually felt okay. I was able to quit looking over my shoulder constantly and I eventually was able to be to trust again and move on. I feel like I am a strong woman because of what I went through. I look back at all of this and realize I am a survivor and I recognize that I could have easily been killed or hurt or hurt much worse than I was. I also look back and wonder how I made it through all of that without telling anyone and without support. I was in college and working full time. All of my friends and family thought I had my life together. I had it all together when in reality, when the reality was I was putting up a front and going through the worst time of my life. I am now happily married and have a beautiful family. I live life to the fullest because I am thankful I was given another chance to live a beautiful life. Gosh. Mm. If there is anyone out there listening to this who is going through something similar, I want you to know you don't have to go through this alone, and you shouldn't. There is help out there, and there are people who care about helping you. I wish I would have not gone through it alone, and I wish I would have um, reached out for help much sooner than I did. Stalking is, is a very serious thing, and I learned quickly it is not an easy situation to get out of. I am lucky I am here today to be able to tell this story, and I did have a happy ending to my story, but not everyone does. Hmm. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, I'm... I find it interesting with stalking, too, how oftentimes you hear about really intense stalking for months and months or years or whatever, and then it just ends abruptly like this. Mm-hmm. Like, he just... I'm he was suddenly after this protection order stuff he just left her alone like you wonder what what prompted him to just suddenly leave her alone did he move on to someone else and start doing this to someone else or was he scared he was gonna go to jail or was he you know I don't I don't know it's just really interesting and it you can imagine how someone in her situation would feel like they constantly had to even years later continue looking over their shoulder because she doesn't know where he is or you know yeah, and especially... She could, I, like, run into him or something. How like, scary. Wyoming is a big state full of really small towns. Mm-hmm. And so depending on where this happened, and I don't know if he's still in the same place as her or what that looks like, but he's probably still around. Mm-hmm. Like, all around. Yeah. Hopefully he moved. Do yeah. you think he did? I don't know. I actually don't know. 
Like, I genuinely do not know if he moved. And now I need to. That's my first question after we stop this, is did he move? Well, I don't think he moved. You don't think so? No. I don't think he moved because I recall her saying to me a long time ago that she had passed him on the street or like she had driven by him and he was driving and that was really like triggering for her and scary because she hadn't seen him in a really long time so maybe he was just back and visiting or something but he definitely still has connections to that community this is just really sad yeah and I'm thinking too I mean how different I feel reading this story than the stories that I've read from other people Mm -hmm. whether it's stalking or domestic violence or sexual assault or whatever um, this is way more personal mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And this is really upsetting. And I think, too, that very infrequently you get a story like this that you get to know how this felt. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when we share stories, it's, like, from news articles or from, like, these are the facts of the case and whatever. I think it's very powerful and hard to have this be from her voice. Yeah. It's really impactful to me. It is. And I love how she went through this terrible, terrible situation. And she just, like, this last paragraph is like, there is help out there and there are people who care about helping you. And you shouldn't have to go through this alone. Yeah. She's, like, the sweetest person alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me really sad that this happened to her. But I think that also goes to show that, like, we have no idea who this stuff is happening to. Mm-mm. And there's a lot of people that that are out there saying, oh, yeah, this happens. It's very serious, but it doesn't happen in our community. And while this person is from a vague community in Wyoming, we don't know. We're not going to share exactly where she's from. Um, this happens in every community. Mm-hmm. And no one knew this was happening to her. Mm-mm. No one did. Her coworkers, her boss, nobody. So if you are one of those people that's out there thinking this is really important and this is um, something to really pay attention to, but this doesn't happen in my neighborhood, well, today's message is that it does. It does. And you never know. It might be your friend. It might be your daughter. It might be It might. It, your cousin. Who's to say, you know? Yeah. Your coworker, because your son. Your, yeah. You never know who's going through this. Mm-mm. And if you are going through something like this, like this writer says, there is support. You don't have to go through it alone. And, you know, there's help out there. And so if you're in Laramie, SAFE works on behalf of survivors of stalking all the time. And everything you tell us is confidential. And so we... We can be that support for you if you don't, you know, if you don't want to tell your mom or your friends or whatever. Sometimes it's easier to tell somebody that isn't connected to you. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a 24-hour hotline. That's right. Um, The phone number is 307-745-3556. And in Wyoming, all of the domestic violence programs have 24-hour hotlines. That's right. um, And they're... There are we, national hotlines. There are as national well. hotlines. Yeah, so there's help out there. Right. There's support out well, there. And don't don't do it alone. It's no, scary enough. It's too scary. You shouldn't go through something yeah. like this by yourself. Yuck. Well, we are so grateful that she 
is okay. Is okay. Oh and my she's gosh. healed from her yep. trauma. But it sounds like she has a really happy family in this and a great happy life. Right now. Yeah. Thank goodness. Well, if you want to share your story, we think it's a really brave choice. Mm-hmm. And we know how hard that is. And we're happy to honor that story for you. If you would yeah. like to share it with us, we'd love to to have it help people learn about this. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so send them our way. Uh, and even if you don't send them to us, make sure that somebody knows. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like she was saying, don't go through it alone. No. So Please don't. Whether that's us or whether that's somebody else, make sure that... You have support. Yeah, you deserve support. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.